You're listening to Artistic Finance Show 106. On today's show, I chat with Jamie Esteva Wilson, an actor and musician from Manila, Philippines. We discuss a career as a theater artist while not being great with money, choosing freelancing over a corporate job, learning a hard lesson by being talented but showing up late, high, drunk, or unprepared, how money is motivation to get out of bed, becoming a COVID safety officer during the pandemic, and Jamie talks about how he lives without a credit card. Today is a special episode because it's paired with another interview in Tagalog. That is episode 106.1 with Jamie chatting with our previous guest, stage manager Cheryl Polancas, and a new guest, lighting designer Cha Si. They speak in Tagalog about finances as theater freelancers, both in Manila and New York. In today's Patron bonus episode, we discuss Jamie's first role, which was Theo in Pippin, Jamie's podcast that involves drinking and smoking on air, and lots of Star Wars. Jamie breaks down the business plan of whether he should get a Chewbacca suit or not, and that results in a tangent about Star Wars this and Star Wars that. That bonus episode is available where all bonus episodes are at patreon.com slash artistic finance. Now, patrons get a private podcast feed with outtakes from every episode and early releases. And we're going to be adding monthly video meetups or Q&As or live interviews. Now, that's going to be available to those at the $10 level or higher all current patrons and anybody who joins at any level by the end of July will be given access to those in perpetuity. In perpetuity is a big word and I hope I used it right. So be on the lookout for those live sessions. Again, you can join up at patreon.com slash artistic finance. And now without further ado, let's get to the show. You're listening to Artistic Finance Podcast, where your host, Ethan Steimel, interviews successful artists, leaders, and investors to help educate and inspire artists to grow their wealth. Welcome, and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Ethan Steimel, and today we're joined by actor and director, Jamie Esteva Wilson. Welcome, Jamie. Hey, thanks for having me, Ethan. We're recording this on Monday, June 13th, 2022. I'm in New York City, and Jamie is in Manila, where it's 9 p.m. The Tony Awards happened last night. A Strange Loop took home the Tony for Best Musical, and the Best Lighting for a Play went to John Clark for Lehman Trilogy, and Best Lighting for a Musical went to Natasha Katz for MJ the Musical, which I really want to see. There's so many musicals I want to see. Like the last time I was in New York, um, it kind of sucked because we, we like flying in winter because we don't have winter here in Manila. And um, when we went, there was really bad snowstorms. So things got shut down and I couldn't, we couldn't see um, Ain't Too Proud to Beg. I love The Temptations. Uh, we couldn't get to see, um, oh, what was that other one? I wanted? Well, there's so many, so many places I wanted to see. But it was fun because we ended up like, you know, seeing musicians going to like neighborhood bars in New York. Um, we were the good friend of mine, Migayesa, um, who took us around to all his favorite uh, haunts. We saw some jazz bands. So it wasn't, um, you know, it's weird because when we fly out, I mean, it's such a long distance, right? So you want to maximize everything that you want to do. 
it's early on when you rec- when you realize that our old programming it's like when your vacation turns into an adventure because certain certain things just don't happen so it became more of a live music instead of a theater you know trip because my 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 wife is in theater as well so we both love watching shows and it just didn't happen so you know let's go watch live music nice all right so i know you as an actor and a director but I know you're also into music. Quick question. What does your wife do? She's in theater. What does she do? Yeah, she's in theater. She's a production. She's an actress. She's a dancer. And she's a production manager as well. Okay. And then what What all do you do? Oh, my God, man. Do we have enough time? Um, <laughs> I do a <laughs> lot of version. things. Uh, quick version. Um, so I'm an actor. I'm a stage actor. I'm a director, a stage director, a concert director. I also AD for television and film. I also um, engaged in safety officer work. So I'm also licensed and certified safety officer for live events and the audiovisual industries. I also sing with a blues band called the Blue Rats. Um, I also road manage for international uh, artists who come and visit Manila. So I am their local road manager. So when their road manager comes in and he needs certain things done, um, I'm familiar with not only all the suppliers and the technicals and the capacities here, but also all the laws that um, are not the same with you guys because you know like uh in our previous episode we have no unions here so they're like what really so yeah um it's 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 sort of easier to get things done here because we don't have to worry about oh it's one guy's job to open the curtain no i can open the curtain myself we don't have any laws like that um and what else do i do i'm a voiceover artist i am a writer yeah i've got my hands in a lot of different pies because i love, i just love doing this we've learned a little bit about you what is a live event that you like to experience as an audience member? Every single live event you can possibly think of. I love, I love straight plays. I love musicals. I love concerts. I love being able to lose myself in a story. Um, given that, I also love to go dancing and lose myself on the dance floor and just dance like nobody's watching because I close my eyes. So I imagine nobody's watching. <laughs> I'm not a very good dancer. Um, but I like doing that because I like, I like just being in the moment, I think. Um, I love attending yeah. concerts. Um, it really depends on the band, of course. I think theater. Uh, I've been I've been doing theater since I was eight years old. So that's forty three years old. I'm sorry, forty three forty three years since I was seven. So I'm turning fifty at the end of the year. So um, that has always captured my life, and that's been the one constant. Like I've dabbled in rock and roll. I sing for a blues band and all that, but primarily, I can't live without theater. Um, it drives me insane. You mentioned a previous episode. So just for the record, that's an episode in Tagalog where I'll say you were not speaking English. So <laughs> you were like, well, like we talked about in the previous episode. And I was like, well, I heard it, but that's true. Don't but remember I, but, that part. <laughs> but you were you were just nodding as if you understood. So that's excellent. That's excellent. <laughs> yes, I was I was acting. I'm an actor, too, apparently. <laughs> so anyway, that episode is actually paired with this one. So if you look on the podcast feed, you can find it uh, just ahead of this one. Um, all right. Now, Jamie, I know you've been avoiding this question, but here it comes. Are you good or bad with money? I am not good. I'm not even bad. I'm the worst. I'm the worst with money. I live hand to mouth from paycheck to paycheck. Um, I am an emotional shopper, which is a very deadly combination. Um, I will find um, incredibly stupid reasons to justify a purchase, even if I don't need one. And um, I am generous with my money to a fault. I always get scolded, especially by my wife. It's like, look, you know, you're going to give your last bit of money to beggars in the street and you don't have money to get to work the next day. And I'm like, yeah, but I have two legs. I can walk. 
You know what I mean? Um, they, I have, I have, I have some food in the fridge. You know what I mean? I think, right? Um, I'm pretty much the worst in money because I've never. It's weird. It's a very. I, I, I equate it as a karmic thing. I've never done anything for the money that ended up well. Um, I have done a very, very few projects in my life where I didn't believe in the project, but the money was really good, and that just was the worst experience in the world for me. Because money is a motivating factor, is horrible, and I know what's going to happen having having gone through that um, with previous projects that I accepted just for the money. So I have to believe in the project. I have to you know find other reasons to it. And if there is some money, then that's great. It's funny because you know whenever whenever I get offered a project, I'm already there working, and I realize that I had forgotten to ask. If I'm being paid or how much I'm being paid, I'm that kind of person. And then I scratch my head going, hmm, okay. <laughs> well, too late. I'm here already. But I also, I also volunteer a lot of my time. And I've learned, I have, I, this is a hard lesson to learn in life. But, you know, I always thought that your commitment could be flexible. There's a point in time, Ethan, where I took theater for granted and I took all my work for granted because I was give, being given lead roles. And I eventually took it for granted and would either show up late or high or drunk, you know, uh, or unprepared. And I was basically benched from every theater company in Manila for about a couple of years, simply because, yes, Jamie's talented, but his work ethic is bad. And I had to fight my way back from being given lead roles back into the production. I, you know, started again from scratch from crew to stage management, to uh, technical director, flying director, eventually getting, you know, chorus roles, ensemble roles, featured roles, and then eventually lead roles. But then, of course, you know, with a new mindset that, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't mess with your art. You don't mess with the craft. You know, if you can't live without it, then you should take care of it and nurture it. And that happens, um, that happens a lot. Like if I give my word, whether I'm volunteering or not, or if I'm going to give my word to you, I, I really don't care how much I'm getting paid simply because I've given my word and the project excites me. It inspires me or it challenges me. Sometimes you're deliberately going into a show and you're just like, oh, this is going to be a headache and a half, but let's see if we can do it. Or, or, or it's a project like I have never done a show like this. So I should have, I should have a show like this on my resume. So let's do it. And then as just an afterthought, then you ask how much I'm getting paid. <laughs> I, I, I'm sort of fascinated that you were benched and you're aware of it because I know, at least in my life, you know, if somebody has a bad work ethic or something, sometimes people will talk to them, but it's usually only if there's like a, a singular problem, like they're drinking too much, then you can approach them and say, look, I think you might be drinking too much. But if it's just more than that, if there's a lot of things going on, then people just sort of don't get hired. So did somebody tell you this or did you just figure out like, hey, suddenly I'm not being cast? I, I had to figure it out. Um, we're very, Filipinos are non-confrontational. So they will not actually tell you why you're not being cast. You just don't get cast. I had, I was not familiar with the audition process because as I said, being, you know, from seven years old, and then I started getting on more adult roles in my, as a young man, roles were given to me. And I think that's what directly led to me taking them for granted because I never really had, I mean, I did the work, but I never had to fight for a role. So when I got back to theater, um, you know, with, with, with Repertory Philippines and Atlantis and other theater companies. There were, there were some shows where I would be given the role already um, before the audition date, and I would still show up to audition. 
simply because it was so important for me to go through the same process as everybody else. Even if I knew I had the part or if I put in a bad addition, I was running the risk of the director changing his mind because like, oh, Jamie can't hit that note. Holy, maybe we did the, you know, made a wrong, you know, <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong move there. But I, 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 I decided when I was fighting to get back is that there should be no privilege or special treatment in any sense of the word, whether you were given the role already, contracted already or whatever, I want to go. I took it upon myself. I wanted to go through the exact same process as everybody else. And um, it really served me well because, I mean, you know, everybody hates additions. And I have grown accustomed to like, okay, so this is the feeling of additions. And that's great. I see the other people. There have been additions where I, I'll, I'll recommend the other guy, the other guy is so much better, you know, than me. And, and my directors actually asked me, so wait, you're saying no to the rule. What are you going to do? And I'm like, well, do you need a technical director? I can be your technical director. Like I actually had to talk to Bobby um, Garcia. He's a good friend of mine. He's a director and he runs um, Atlantis. And he was trying to cast me in Sweeney Todd. I have a rock voice and I'm not very good with harmonies. So really, you should not cast me in a Sondheim that has classical placements with a whole bunch of very difficult harmonies. So I said, no, I'm going to ruin your musical. And I'm very self-aware of that. You, you, there are a lot of other guys with better voices, better ears. You know, I mean, sure, I can, I can, I can act this shit out of it, right? But you want the sound to be as impeccable as you can. So I talked my way out of it and I talked my way to becoming his technical director. <laughs> because it's, it, believe me, it's for the betterment of the show, man. <laughs> I know my voice. I know my voice. I'm a rock voice. But you look like a murderer. So that you had that going for you. I had that going for me. Right. <laughs> Amazing. All right. So going back to when you were growing up, or at least when you were developing younger adulthood, financially, did you have good examples to learn from? Um, not really. Because money was never really on my radar. Uh, it was, you know, I mean, as a child, you have your allowance. And then um, whatever money I was earning, because I was also appearing in advertisements and you know print ads and stuff as, as a child, my parents actually held that in reserve for me, these, these big sums of money, um, and would dole it out to me as my allowance because we weren't wealthy growing up. So I was expecting a lump sum when I graduated like grade school or at least in the middle of high school. And then, the, then I was informed, no, that's been your allowance. And you're like, what? That's not fair. I earned that money. But then I learned that that's the value of your hard work. You got to work for it. Um, it was easier as a child um, being in theater because you know, I didn't have to worry about rent. I didn't have to worry about electricity. I didn't have to worry about food. My mom would always pack a, you know, a lunch for me or a dinner for me for rehearsals and stuff like that for all us kids. Because we were four, we were four, the four Wilson kids were involved in a lot of the productions um, back to back. So it was always, okay, the car will pick you up, car will bring you home. You know, so as a child growing up, that was fairly easy. And then when I had to do it as an adult, I'm like, oh, I don't have money to get home. But that's okay, because I'll worry about it later as long as I have money to get to rehearsals. That should be okay. You know, and then I'll figure out how to get home. Because I, like I said, I have, I have two feet. I can walk. So then when you, I, I guess when you left the house, or when you, you started like an official career, what were your finances at that point? Horrible. Like, horrible. I would, I regularly, okay, I regularly zero out. If one paycheck is late, because I have multiple jobs, I have multiple projects. If one paycheck is late, there's going to be a couple of days where I'm just like biting my nails. 
you know, and then it comes in and then, okay, I can breathe a little bit again. And it's not a stress that is welcome, but it's a stress I've learned to deal with it because I've accepted that this is my life. If I get too old or am physically or mentally unable to hustle anymore, then I'll think about that. Now what? I've also held corporate jobs. And the corporate job um, is great, but then I'm not built for it. Like you had full coverage. I had health, I had dental, you know, you get a paycheck every two weeks. And, you know, I mean, that, that was great in terms of the stability and the comfort. But I just realized that I'm not that kind of a person. I have to go to something new. So I lasted like three and a half years in my first corporate job. My threshold seems to be around that time for a corporate jobs, three and a half years, four years. And then I'm like, I'm bored. So I need to do something else. You know, full-time theater was a very big um, risk for us because we were coming from a corporate job. This was in the period of time where nobody would touch me the 10-foot pole. Not even my sister who had her own theater company. You know, she would not touch me the 10-foot pole. So the I used that corporate job to regain that sense of discipline. Um, of showing up on time, doing the work, being prepared in preparation for going back to theater and taking that work ethic with me um, back to theater. So in that sense, it helped a lot. But financially, I went from zero to zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm always fascinated by people who have corporate jobs or full-time jobs and then go back to freelancing or go back to yeah. gigs to gig. Because I think Cheryl, our other Manila guest, was also, she had for two years, I think, had a corporate job. And I've never had one. And I always think, well, once, once I get one or if I take one, I'm never coming back. But I meet time and time again people who did it. You know, I've, I've known people who said, oh, yeah, I worked at so-and-so for 15 years. And now here I am freelancing. And it's like, what? Like, I just thought. How did you, you went 15 years and then you chose to go rogue? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, it, you'll miss it. You'll miss it. Just the sheer nature of our job. I, I love, I love the fact that in this week alone, I am flying off to the province to road manage one of our bigger rock stars here in the Philippines. And then I'm coming back and I'm shooting a couple of sequences for um, a manga robot live action television series. And then after that, I have to rehearse for a gig that I'm singing for with my blues band. We're learning a few new songs. And then I have to get a couple of voiceover jobs done in between all of that somehow. And then I'm in the process of, of also rewriting and directing a show, a concert for, um, for Resorts World Manila. And um, I have to tweak it because it's a repeat, but I don't want it to be a flat out repeat. So I have to rewrite it for it to be relevant. Um, so it's just like, okay, so which hat am I wearing now? And it just keeps, it, it makes for a very, very full and interesting day. If there's anything that you go through your life with a full and interesting day is, you know, blessing. And you just pack it in with as, as many full and interesting days as you can. All right. So you're almost 50. Do you worry or think about money on a daily basis? The reason I'm bringing up that you're almost 50 is you have s survived quite a few years <laughs> in this industry. So I'm just curious if, if now, you know, having done it for over 40 years, if you think about or worry about money daily. Yes, I do. Um, I, I worry about money daily. Um, some days more than others. 
one thing is very apparent with me is that you know if I if I go the opposite, like I have I have very good friends who are you know trust fund babies or independently wealthy, and I see the lives that they're leading. And if I didn't have to worry about money, Ethan, then I would never get up from bed. I would be uh, I would be you know the laziest guy in the world because oh everything I need is going to be there. So if you remove that hustle from me. It will also remove the creative impulse, the passion, the you know part of the motivation in terms of having to get up and hustle and find work, right? Um, that's also why I go out and you know go, go on a bender because I meet people and here in Manila, even if it's very very small, Manila is a very very small world. Like you know, you have to be careful about the girl you're hitting on because you're you. There's a big chance you're going to be related to her in some way um, <laughs> if you're from Manila, right? But um, I do go out because if you're out of sight, you're out of mind. So uh, I've actually gotten a lot of work by just if if I don't have work, I will go out for a beer. And nine out of 10 times, I will come back home with a job. You're not the first person on this show to say that. Out of sight, out of mind. I know a lot of people like me say, oh, I'm bad at networking. I don't do it. And it's like, well, you don't have to go to networking events. You just have to go out and do something. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. you know, preferably in the area you want to be, but honestly, just anywhere, just out. And now with social media, it's like you can go out and get tagged or you can get seen that way without even doing it yourself. So that's just me telling myself again, Ethan, go out. (laughs) Yeah, go out, go out, have some fun. And then, you know what, like, like I'm when I go out and watch a gig nine out of 10 times, I will know the band here in Manila. I will know the tech, the tech. Case in point, we're playing in a new bar. We got a residency in a new bar that just opened up, and they spent a lot on their on their sounds and lights gear. It's like a music hall, but it's also fine dining, so et cetera, et cetera. And these guys have a really nice sound system, um, but on, but we're in the blues nights, so we're a blues band. And they were actually, it's the first bar that has actually said, okay, so we have in-ear monitors for you guys. And I'm like, I don't want in-ear monitors. For a bar gig, I, I, I want to be able to hear the crowd. I want to be able to, you know what I mean? But yeah. thank you for the option, right? And um, I took it upon myself since I got, got to know the technicians, right? Um, I gave them some few presets for their lighting to make their lighting better, to flatter their walls. Um, they have their fine dining, so they have white tablecloths. White tablecloths are the worst yeah. because they just reflect all the light. You know, the sound was great. The sound is great. I have no complaints about the sound. But when I look at the pictures of my first gig there, I'm like, I'm sexier in the dark. That's why I'm in red light. You know yeah. what I mean? So can we please like give it a little bit of drama and all that? And me helping that technician out, apparently got to the bosses. And the bosses are like, you know what? Jamie's a good guy. I have other places. Let's ask Jamie to take a look at them and see how we can improve them. Yeah. And that, And I'm like, okay, sure. I'll show up. Of course, forgetting if I'm forgetting to ask if I'm going to get paid for this. <laughs> of course, I'm going to get at least a beer, a beer or two. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm just yeah. happy to help. You know, mm-hmm. because if the venues are better and the technicians know what they're doing and they, we put on better shows, then it's better for all of us. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I love that. All right. So debts. Do you have any debts? Yes, I do. Um, I have a um, I have a condominium that the paperwork fell through. Association dues are, are are going through. I'm just thinking of letting it go, 
because I don't want, you know, like before the pandemic, I was actually considering this, this is my mom's apartment. So she passed away and, you know, reverted to all of us. And since I'm the only one here in the country, um, I was tasked to manage it. And, I'm, and I was telling all my sisters, you shouldn't ask me to manage it. I can barely run an ATM card. You know what I mean? Um, I had a credit card. Seriously, I had a credit card for a month. And I said, no, this is dangerous. I, I'm spending money I don't have. So no. You know, I don't do online banking either, even. So it's cash and yeah, it's cash on delivery. If I order anything, it's cash and delivery because I, if I don't have the cash for it, then I shouldn't be buying it. You know, so I don't, I don't subscribe to the whole credit idea because then I'm going to be in a mountain of debt. But um, so uh, this condo, I'm thinking of letting go because I don't want to be straddled by a huge amount of debt. And I don't see the use for it. I mean, you know, some people can use it for a business opportunity. You can rent it out, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but I'm going to have to get loans to fix it up and rent it out and all that. And it's just, that's just not my brain. That's not how my brain works. So um, in that sense, I was supposed to take a loan out um, in 2019, seriously considering it, checked out the paperwork, talked to a few financial advisors. And then I just, I just, put it on a back burner and I said, wait, I need more time to think about it. And then the pandemic hit. So thank God I didn't take out that loan because then I'd be like, you know, in worse shape now. Right. Um, I have debts all over the place, but thankfully they're debts in the forms of favors. I, I, I live, I live. Um, my, my currency is favor. I will do you a favor. Somebody else does me a favor. Um, I'll help out. Can I ask you for help? Um, I put together gigs and um, I asked people to play. Like We just finished a tribute for a dear friend of mine who was a legendary guitar player. And I asked people to play. And all I promised them was beers and food. And everybody who played, and it was a great gig, everybody who played for that night, all the proceeds went to the family, et cetera, et cetera, to help with expenses. And therefore, I have um, a, a debt to each and everybody you know, who was involved in that production because they gave me their time. So I can repay that back in kind. If you need any help that only I can give, call me up, I'll be there. So that's more or less my currency in that sense. My money is just a necessary evil. I love that. I love that. Uh, favors are my debts. And it's great when you have, like I've just had the opportunity to help somebody out, not financially, but with my time and my advice and my talent. And I don't even see that as a debt repaid because I love these people anyway. So I'm just, I'm just grateful that I managed to spend, this was last Friday when I was making a whole series of hectic phone calls, trying to get this thing done. And it's a wonderful feeling when, you know, you can say mission accomplished, um, the help was done, the guy received the help, things went well. And it's just a great feeling that today I was useful. And that's, 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 that's the feeling I can take with me to my grave. I can't take my bank account with me to my grave. Jamie, I got to take a page out of your book because I think a lot of times I'm sometimes, I'm almost the reverse of you. Like I'm afraid to do something for somebody or have them do something for me because I know I'll then be in debt to them. And so I weirdly make a lot of my decisions on like, no, I don't want to get into like this favor for a favor for a favor back and forth. I'm always worried about it. But I really shouldn't be. I should just live my life as is, be helpful, all that. And it'll be totally fine because they're unofficial debts, too. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to get arrested and take me to jail for, if yes. I don't return a favor to somebody. <laughs> yeah, but it's, you know, it's our responsibility as good human beings. I love 
you know, I, I, I have the utmost faith in the goodness of people. When proven wrong, then at least at the end of the day, now I know better. Or maybe you're just having a bad day. Like, Ethan, I'm the king of second chances. I've been given numerous second chances in my life. How can I deny anybody else their second chance? You may have burned me before, but bridges can always be mended. Life is too short to worry about, oh, I didn't like the way you treated me back then. You might be a different person today. Jamie, I also love that, that bridges can be mended. Because I think a lot of times in the theater industry here in New York, it's like people say, you know, oh, don't, you know, don't burn that bridge. Don't do that. And I sort of disagree because I'm like, there's plenty of work. You know, maybe a certain producer won't like you. It's, you know, yeah, sure. There are little things like that. But it's like the reality is if you're a good person, if you're talented, if you're hardworking, you can work your way back. Like, and a lot of times the burning of the bridge, it's like stand up for yourself. It's like don't do something that you think is rude or is rude or they won't be happy about it. But it's like you need to take care of yourself first. And if that means burning a bridge, then do it. Because as Jamie Esteva Wilson says, bridges can always be mended. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, there are some people sometimes you're just having a bad day. And that one day, the decisions you make in that one day, you know, could possibly burn a bridge down. But tomorrow's going to be a different day. So life is too short, man. All right, Jamie. Also, sometimes I zone out when people are talking and I sort of came back into this one. Did you say you don't have any credit cards? No, I don't have a credit card to my life. No, nor should I have a credit card. You know, I have a debit card. I I have an ATM card, but I will go to the machine. I will not I will not do an electronic transaction simply because I physically have to see the money, count the money. If I have the money, if I don't have the money, then that just denotes my day. You know, we, you're not the first again, the first person not to have credit cards, but you know, I hardly ever use cash and I don't even use the debit card because for whatever reasons, reasons of my own, I'm just always honored to meet people that don't have credit cards because I don't understand how it how that can happen. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a different, it's a different life. Like I don't have a lot of options available to me. Thank God my wife has a credit card, like, or else we would never have been able, like if we go to the U S we can't rent a car um, or we can't make reservations or we can't do this. Or she has a credit card. So I see the avenues that are open to me for a credit card, but I also see, Oh my God, the danger in me having a credit card. Like I am one of those idiots who will, you know, find a bar that will accept the credit card in Manila and go drinks for everybody you know, when I've had a few. So I know now not to have a credit card because that's just how I am. So no, I, I would rather, I had a credit card for a few months and I said, no, cut this up, <laughs> kill this. <laughs> <laughs> this is opening up a world of hurt. All right, Jamie, you have proclaimed yourself to be the worst with money, but I'm just curious, you've been around for a few years, so surely you have done something good what is a good financial decision that you've made or a good financial move that you've made? Um, I have, well, I have learned not to spend money that I don't have. Uh, that's why this, the whole credit thing is just, um, un, you know, dangerous for me because if I literally don't have the money, then I shouldn't be buying it. I've also learned to take a step back in terms of emotionally, what do you think you need to have? I have a lot of friends who have a lot of toy collections. I love toys. 
And I actually lived in a mall where they have all these amazing like Japanese manga toys, superhero toys and all that and everything. And I will always go back to the same thing that I said when the lightsabers first came out, those, those, those you know, combat ready lightsabers, unless they can cut through walls, I'm not going to buy one. <laughs> because really, you know, I'm not going to spend a couple of hundred dollars on a lightsaber that can't cut through a wall because it's a toy. You know, so that's how I'm managing myself. I will not spend a couple of hundred dollars on a Millennium Falcon unless it flies and I can fit in it. So in that sense, um, you know, it's, it's, it's in so, something as real world as we all enjoy our Starbucks. Do you really need a $5 coffee? It, it's nice when you can afford it. It's nice to have the power of exercising your choice or having a lot of choices. But really those three-in-one, you know, coffee sachets work for me too. So on some days when you can afford it, sure, why not? When you can't afford it, why not? If you know you're saving up for something, then you can't. It doesn't take a lot. Um, I like spending my money on food, on drinks, on people, my endless supply of black T-shirts. But other than that, I will, I will put my money right back in to whatever I'm working on. During the pandemic, I transitioned into a full-time safety officer. So I was getting paid fairly well, and I would be investing in better gear as a safety officer. Like, I need a better safety vest. I need all these disinfection foggers. You know what I mean? I need to stock up on solutions. I need to provide my people with better masks during the pandemic when we were shooting films during the pandemic. And um, now that, you know, the pandemic is on its way out, the demand for safety isn't that much, but I still have all my gear. And when I do need it, I can use it. So I will invest in those things and splurge with those things. You know, I'm always in, you know, searching for a better backpack because sometimes as a safety officer, I'm on my feet for 16 hours. I'm shooting in the jungle. You need a good backpack. You know what I mean? Things like that. Little things like that. Um, the bigger scope of things. Um, I had a car once. Um, I'm not of the temperament of a person who drives. And my doctor actually verified that because my, my blood pressure went up. And he actually went to me. I had to go to him to see him. This was like years and years ago. And he said, Jamie, you know, what in your life has changed? Because all of a sudden I need to put you on maintenance meds because your blood pressure is through the roof. Do you still eat the same food? Yeah, I still, I still eat spam. I still eat fast food. So what has changed? I'm like, I started driving. So um, he was going to prescribe me maintenance meds. And I said, nope, you know, give me a week. The very next day I sold my car. And I haven't looked back. Because for me, a car is not important. You know, a car is convenient, but a car is not important for me. Even in a non-commuting friendly place, not, you know, this is a non-commuting city in, in Manila, but I still get around. Like at the end of the day, I have two feet. Okay. So I, when, okay. So I think Manila, I think very populated city. And then you say car. And my first thought is where do you park the car? Right. It's a problem. Like when you have a car, it's great. You know, you can get point A, point B in relative comfort. I can bring all my gear. I don't have to like trim down my gears to things I can carry. That's great. But then you have to think about traffic. You have to think about parking. You have to think about once you're like, especially the traffic is so bad here that, you know, if you're stuck on the road and you're late for a call time, if I'm in a cab, I can get out of the cab and run. I can't get out of my own car and leave it on the road. I, for me, not being late at a call time is more important. You know what I mean? So I can give that up. That's amazing. That's awesome. In in Manila, since you had a corporate job for a while, but then you're freelancing, do you have retirement savings? 
No. Not even from the corporate job? Nope. I, I am not the person who has learned how to save. So I am doing this paycheck by paycheck. And um, in my old age, if I ever do get there, um, I have the utmost faith and belief that things will somehow work out. I want to be doing this till I die. Um, uh, my guitar player in my blues band, who is an older gentleman, he's older than me, um, and he's you know fairly well off. But he told me one thing that really hit me true: um, this 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 guy this guy is very well off, but he still carries his amp and his guitar to every gig. And he told me the day I cannot physically carry my amp or my guitar that's when i throw in the towel right um and that's very specific to him the day where my brain goes because it's you know your body you can tune your body you can work on your body right your physicality just keep yourself in good health right but the day my brain goes that's when i'm going to pack it in and figure out you know i'll figure things out from there i don't think in long term i think um tomorrow next week but more importantly, um, what amazing thing can I do today? And it sounds romantic, but there are just some days where, oh, Jamie, you should have saved for a rainy day because guess what? It's raining, you know, but I have faith that things work out. It sounds romantic. That's like La Boheme and Rent <laughs> is like people are like, oh, it's so romantic. And I'm just thinking like, oh, that's terrible. Like... <laughs> <laughs> like, like that sort of relying on somebody to show up at the restaurant to pay for your food is like terrifying to me. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, well, so the key thing is don't show up at the restaurant. Yes. Yeah, don't go to the restaurant. You know what I mean? Uh, just stay home and eat noodles. You know what I mean? Which I did in New York for a year. Like I was so thin because all I was doing is like I had, I had enough money for rent. And when I was living in New York, I had enough money for rent and two cup noodles a day and a pack of cigarettes. And that's it. You know, anything over and above that. Oh, let's go out, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you brought up New York because I wanted to ask you, when were in, you in New York? How, how long were you in New York and how did that go? I was in New York um, 96 to 97 and then 97 to 99. I would still go home sporadically, though, for Christmas because the winters were just too harsh. And I get more Christmas gifts in Manila. So I'm like, I'm going to go back. Right. Um, I was working, um, I would say I was averaging four or five jobs a day from a bicycle messenger to a personal assistant to a fashion designer, which was great because I was dressing and undressing models in the afternoon. So that was fantastic. Um, I was doing lights on an, on an off, 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 off Broadway production. I was working as a bartender. Um, I worked as a busboy, as a waiter. Um, just basically hustling. And that's, you know, it, fall in love with that because I just met so many amazing people and learned how to do so many things. The beauty about being an actor is that your, your, your job, your responsibility is to gain more experience. So when you get on stage and you have to replicate something, you know how to do it. If you've never washed a hundred dishes in your life, it's just going to take you more time at rehearsals. But I can definitely step in and play a dishwasher and wash a hundred dishes on set. I know exactly how to do it because I've done that in real life. So life experience for me is very, very important. And New York was amazing because, you know, this was the day before social media. So nobody knew who I was. So I would literally use a different name when I'd go out at night. Um, I would change my name. I would make a whole backstory, see how long I could play this. Um, because nobody could check on your socials because there were no socials. 
So basically, you know, who you were at that moment were, you know, who you were to them. And it was quite an interesting experiment because, you know, uh, not, I realized not, it wasn't just me doing it. People were in the process of reinventing themselves. Everybody I met and hung out with in New York were not from New York. So it was quite interesting to see what kind of lives they had reinvented um, themselves to live. So it's quite fun. Yeah, you can do that a little bit today, reinvent yourself or something, but you can't do that, you mischievous little Jamie, you. Yeah, no, no, you can't do that anymore, man. People are going to like look you up. And if I did that, I would have to make fake Facebook pages and profiles and like, it's too much effort. (laughs) I I think there are some people that do that. Um, I'll call them crazy people, but maybe they're not. Um, Because I feel like I've been seeing some TV ads for some things, specifically in the dating world, where it's like, this person was this whole life, and then it's like, not that. And I'm like, man, who has the time and energy to want to do that much work to just sort of do a fun experiment? Like, unless you're like on a comedy show, or you're doing it to get paid for, you know, for the job, like, oh, we're gonna do this experiment. Sure, then. But like, to actually just do it in your real life, it's like, who has the time? But then I also saw the idea, like when I was in New York and I would meet, when I was meeting these people and I realized I wasn't the only one making up a backstory, is that people are hungry to reinvent themselves. That means you're running away from a life that you didn't want to live or never felt comfortable in. So you wanted to see the option of reinvention. And if, if that's the seed of it, and it's not in a sense it's fooling people, but unless you're taking money from them or hurting them, then it's harmless. Because I can, what's in a name? Nowadays, what's in a pronoun? But if you want to reinvent yourself, it's harder today um, because the world is much smaller because of social media. And I also don't want to knock it because you only get one life to live. And so why not try out a little bit of some other lives? It's like that great thing of like splurging for a hotel because it's like, I just want to see what it's like. I want to. And it's like, I don't necessarily need it or trying some different food. It's like, I'm not going to eat it every day. But like, you know, so so I don't want to knock it either because. Yeah, it's, it's a sense. It's a sense of adventure. And at, at the end of the day, you might discover more of who you are when you take a chance to become somebody else. And that leads back to why I love, because, love being an actor. Um, when you say we have one life to live, you know, my resume is my life in a nutshell from a zoom out, you know, bird's eye view. But then I have been a pirate. I have been a, you know, a, a school teacher. I have been a fireman. I've been a policeman. I've been a murderer. I've been a serial killer. I've been all that as an actor. So it's very, very enriching in a sense because I've actually experienced many lives in a microcosm or slices of many lives. And that leads back to, me being able to do what I need to do in my real life, real life, quote, un- <laughs> air quote, real life. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this up a little bit regarding finances. What is some advice that you would give to somebody, an actor or somebody like you who is starting their career now? Don't be me. Be smart. Um, save for, save for a rainy day, make smarter choices, ask if you're going to get paid, but don't do things just for the money. Do things, if you're going to be an artist, what's very important or involved in the, in the arts in whatever way possible, whether you're on stage, off stage, technicals, backstage, whatever, do it because you love doing it. And if you love doing it and you work hard at it, the money will come. It's not, it's not going to be the amount, if you're already going to the arts, unless you're going into Hollywood, right? You're not going to pay, going to get paid a lot of money, but believe me, your your heart is going to be very full 
your soul will be happy. And at the end of the day, for me, that's what's really important. And eventually the bank account hopefully will follow. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Last question for you. Where can people connect with you and who do you want to connect with you? Um, hey, I'm, I'm an open book. So um, I'm on a public profile. My, uh, my handle on Facebook is Jamie Esteva Wilson. My handle on Twitter and on, um, and on Instagram is JetBoyBoogie. But I'm searchable. Um, just make sure you search for Jamie Esteva Wilson because there are a lot of Jamie Wilsons in the world. Um, I, I actually, when I was an MTV VJ, there's an MTV VJ Asia entry in on Wikipedia, and um, apparently the name Jamie Wilson was highlighted. And they're talking about me. And you, when you click it, it goes to a beauty queen from New- Nebraska. So that's not me, obviously. Um, but uh, yeah, um, my my social media pages are open. And um, yeah, the kind of people I want to connect, anybody and everybody. If you're interesting, if you're funny, if you're witty. All right, Jamie, that's all I had for today. Uh, is there anything you wanted to talk about that we didn't touch on? No, I'm, 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 I'm good, man. I'm good. Let's not, let's, not, let's not delve into how bad I am with my financials. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, I mean, I mean okay, you, you're saying you're bad, but you're saying don't spend what you don't have. Don't use credit cards. I mean, to me, that is really good. Like that, you know, it's, in a way, it seems common sense, but I'm from a generation where you have to have a credit card. So like, that's why it's so fascinating to me, these people that don't do it. Um, and there are younger people, younger, I mean, I'm 34. There are people my age that don't have them, but it's like one in a million, Yeah, you know? Well, you also, like you're, you're also living in a system that sort of requires you to have one. So I'm glad that in Manila, you know, cash is still king in that sense. Yeah. I, have, I have problems when I travel abroad because there are not a lot, less options are available to me. For me, it's, it's, it's better than having a mountain of debt on my shoulders. Well, and Nicole and I are going to Italy uh, next month for a wedding, not our wedding. We were looking up, you know, what to, how to do it. And it was like, take cash because they actually, you can use credit cards, but like a lot of places won't have the machine or something. So it's like an exercise for us of like, oh, we actually had to go to the bank and get some euros to be ready you know, it seems weird to carry around cash with us, but also in today's day and age, I think you're not getting mugged as much. I feel like these days, yeah, because yeah. because everything's digital, so it's like why mug them? True, and it's, you know that that works a lot for me too, even in the '90s, because I look like the mugger and not the muggy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've never had a problem of being heisted or people like tell me, "Give me your money." I'm like, "Do I look like I have money?" <laughs> All right, Jamie, thank you so much for giving me over an hour of your time, <laughs> letting me talk about Star Wars. So yeah, ha- and have a great time out on the road with uh, your rock, your, your band life. Yeah, thank you, Ethan. Thank you. You take care, you be safe. And hey, more work. Let's get more work. Put on more shows. That's it for this week's episode. My takeaways are Jamie is an iconic artist, hustling away, self-identifying as bad with money, but still working and making ends meet and doing it for over 30 years and doing it without a credit card. He said his wife has a credit card, so he's able to rent cars, etc., etc., but still without a credit card is super cool. I have mad respect for anybody who doesn't have a credit card and anybody who says, if I can't afford it, I'm not going to have it. 
it seems like common sense. If I don't have the money, I can't have it. And I know we give exceptions to things like property, mortgages, cars, loans, student loans. I know we have sort of societal exemptions to that rule, but if I don't have the money, I can't have it. Mad props to Jamie on that. Thank you to Jamie for being so honest, telling us about the time when he was showing up unprepared and was blackballed from work. And what I love about him sharing that story is the happy ending. (laughs) Sorry. It has a happy ending because, yes, Jamie burned bridges, but he came back and he mended those bridges. Broken bridges can be mended. I know anytime I have a fault in my career or in my life, I sort of come up with an excuse and Jamie just faced the music and said, look, here's what happened. It was bad. I had to work and fix it. So what do you think? Did you enjoy this interview? Did you enjoy Jamie? I got to tell you, I really loved chatting with him. Now, as always, you can find me on LinkedIn to let me know what you thought of this episode. You can also email me directly at artisticfinancepodcast at gmail.com. That email comes directly to me, and I do read and respond to everything. Also, if you speak Tagalog, or if you understand Tagalog or Taglish, be sure to check out episode 106.1. That's Jamie hosting a conversation in Tagalog, and he chats with two Filipino theater artists, stage manager Cheryl Polancas and lighting designer Cha C. If you're enjoying the podcast and you want to support the work we're doing, please consider becoming a patron. In return for pledging a monthly amount, you will get access to early episodes and outtakes from the interviews, including those from today with Jamie talking about his first show, Pippin, his podcast, and Lots of Star Wars, including the Chewbacca suit. Find those outtakes at patreon.com slash artistic finance. Patrons are my favorite people in the world, but if you aren't ready to become a patron and you want to help out the show anyway, please pay our fee for listening. Now that fee is to tell somebody about the show. Another thing you can do is subscribe on YouTube or on your podcast app, and that way you'll get notified every time we release a new episode. And finally, if you listen to the show, but you're not getting our monthly newsletter, email me at artisticfinancepodcast at gmail.com, and I'll add you to the list. You can also sign up on our website, artisticfinance.com. That's it for today. Until next time, break a leg. Thank you for listening to Artistic Finance. Make sure to subscribe. To access our show notes, transcripts, or resources, go to artisticfinance.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decision, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Artistic Finance. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.